Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. This week I'm dropping three episodes for you as part of the 100 Masked Men series. If you're new to the show, 100 Masked Men is a series where I talk to men from all walks of life about dating, sex, and how they define masculinity. As 2020 finally comes to an end and we all get ready to make resolutions and set intentions for the new year, I thought I'd bring you some conversations about self-improvement and growth. Our ninth masked man is the Equalizer. This small town boy shares a story on moving to Toronto and finding himself along the way. We hear his take on my method of setting intentions and putting sex on the table right at the start, debate on gender role reversals, and he shares a really hot tip on dealing with fights in long-term committed relationships. I'm uh, originally, I mean, I've kind of grown up and lived in a lot of rural and smaller town areas in like southeastern Ontario. Primarily, I grew up a lot around Kingston, but then moved to Toronto a decade ago. You know, in terms of my my background, I grew up uh, with a single mother. Um, I uh, my, my father wasn't in my life during my childhood, and so my kind of interactions and and understanding of women and femininity come from being raised from my mother and that giving me both a level of empathy, but also at the same time, figuring out self male identity while not having male influence. I had to define my own way of being a man compared to an example from, from another. And I'm also biracial. And so that's also a thing to navigate as well, being biracial, but being raised by only one half of that, that, that situation. Yeah. I'm not sure where to take it from there, but. <laughs> okay. Which, which half were you raised? Uh, so I'm I'm both uh, white and black, and I was raised by by my mother who's white. So, how was your childhood like? Because if you were growing up in a rural, being mixed race, is that an issue there? Like, yeah. what was it like? Yeah. Definitely, I've I'm a person who's experienced a lot of racism, from verbal to physical, and life threatening at times. Yeah, it, being rural. It's interesting because I've always been a person who wanted to be in a big city, wanted to be around lots of diversity. And so being in rural places a lot was, was frustrating because it's not where I wanted to be. But it also teaches you different ways of, of living and looking at the world. Some things about simplicity and focus that are that can be beneficial. But it's definitely a completely different mindset in the rural compared to the city. Definitely being mixed in that situation is there's like difficulty in the sense of being seen being black and having a lot of white people who you know whether they are have an issue with you or they have that level of uh, political racism like politically correct like the the stuff that uh comes out of the get out movie where he was trying to emphasize the point of like people are like oh you know i'm not racist but then they are and they don't realize it and so there's a lot of growing up in that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can't even imagine so how did you identify as a kid? Did you want to fit in? Did you want to stand out? You know, how did, how did you navigate around that space? And how did not having a father figure around affect that? So it took me probably 18 to 20 years to fully cement myself into not caring. So I, I would say the first 13 years, I wished I was white because I wanted the problems to go away. It's not that I had an issue with black people or the, my black skin because I actually didn't have any connection to it. It was just that 
it was a thing that everybody was attacking me for. And like any child, if you're being bullied and abused over something, you want it to go away, right? I was also like an overweight child. So like, you know, I wanted that to go away too. And so, you know, like if, if, if any kid who's, you know, dealt with like, you, you know, physical shaming would be like, yeah, I want that to go away so that they stop shaming me. So then by high school, then hip hop got really popular. And all of a sudden I went from being the thing that everybody hated to the thing that they all like wanted to be like. I kind of flipped uh, my, my, my secret weapon. I had to kind of come to my own kind of terms by into adulthood, being understanding in everything that I am. If you, if you wanted a percentage, I, I'm leaning more towards what the world has treated me by. And because there are aspects of like what I am visually that I feel more akin to what I feel internally in terms of culture and the people and the connections that I feel with people of color than I do with white people. Even though I grew up around all white people, I've never felt quite as akin because they didn't understand the struggle, even in close friendships, feeling objectified or feeling still alienated by accident, not by on purpose, but they don't know how to understand. And, you know, big part of friendship is empathy. And if you have no empathy for something, then how can you have a really deep connection? I've identified way better and had way better relationships with people of color since I moved to Toronto. I moved here at 26. I've been here for almost 10 years. You're like basically a full grown adult by that time, you know? So, and then you kind of felt like, wow, these are my people. Is that how, how that transition uh, was for you? I always sought out people of color before that concept was known publicly, like, like like in the world, people of color and, and whatnot. I always just saw, to be honest, everybody that wasn't white as a group of people that like I may be able to identify with because I was getting the negative experience from the people that are white, which the strongest dichotomy of that is that I'm being loved and raised by somebody who's white and who never had, was anything like the people. I would go to school and half the people would treat me like horrible and the other half the people would be either most of the people would just be like what's the word for it? indifferent and then like you get one or two people that are like your actual advocate some kid who like actually cared and didn't see didn't treat you a certain way and then i, I would look at people who people of color as like there's something that we might have akin here and it wasn't always the case obviously but you know i was always seeking to be around a diverse set of people i don't know i'm a diverse person by nature without choice right you know having that dichotomy of being loved by the same people that were hurting me. So that's interesting. You went from wanting the thing to go away to wanting to keep it as, you know, a part of you as a self-identifier and then finding other people that identify in the same way. What were your relationships like? What kind of person were you in your relationships? Like if in a group setting, were you like the funny guy, the serious guy, the nerdy guy? Like, what were you? I'm trying to remember what I was before high school. Because over talker, I've always been a person of many ideas and dreams, natural teacher. So as a child, that's annoying as all hell <laughs> to talk. <laughs> I'm going to explain to you something you don't want to hear. I had a shift in high school uh, in grade nine because I had, had spent so many years being made fun of and, and teased and everything that like people trying to put down every one of your, your vulnerabilities that I caught wind of some comedian at one point And I just got the idea in my head. If you're going to make the joke, I'm going to make it first. And I ended up becoming a very sarcastic person and a very, it was very cathartic for me to, to be funny. And so I kind of shifted to being sometimes a class clown, but like 
I'm, I'm just a very sarcastic person. Like, it's in my, my family's nature, but I just really took hold of, like, trying to understand comedic timing because I didn't want anybody else to win. So I'm, I'm like, and, and I the beauty of what I learned from that was that being vulnerable was actually one of the most opening things for any dialogue with any human being. That if you can be vulnerable with a stranger, that I've had strangers like open up and tell you stuff that you they haven't even told people they're close to because you, you're being open. And that's a big part of being funny is like, at least in the way that I see it, is like I, I'm, I, if I can self-deprecate, then I'm actually empowering myself because you, what power do you have to take hold anything over me if I'm willing to joke about it myself? Then what can you say? And that was kind of my way to re refute the bullies before I was, I don't know, strong enough to physically stand up for myself and things had to go there. I was uh, used to be really scared. So I was like, well, I'm going to win in words for now. <laughs> so Interesting. So when did you kind of grow out of that bullying part where you started to stand up for yourself and fight back like did you end up fighting physically with people yeah a guy called me nigger in school and uh that turned into a bloodbath literally it, it was uh, a very unpleasant fight mostly because he was wearing a diamond ring or some sort and he opened up my eye uh, my i have a scar through my eyebrow and it opened up and i was covered in a lot of blood and it was an unpretty fight and yeah so it was uh that, that was a shifting moment for me. How old were you? 16 or 17. Since then, were, were you just like, you know, fuck everything, I'm just going to fight everyone? Or did you, <laughs> like, what, what, was, what was the no. attitude after that? Like, I will make a joke to stop a fight before I fight. The difference is, is not being afraid if I have to go there, that I'll go there. You know the idea of fight or flight? I don't want to necessarily fight but I don't want to flight. Like, I will do everything I can to avoid something that's unnecessary. I would never want to be the guy that, like, you know, you see the funny video or something, people make fun of it, but, like, you know, you see, a, you know, a situation where the guy runs away and leaves his woman in harm. I would just never want to be that person, you know? Like, and I don't mean, like, in some chauvinistic, like, standing up and blah, 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 blah for my woman, but I just mean in the idea of, like, I would never want to be the guy that would, like, walk away and leave the person that you're supposed to care for to take something and i just that just to me would not be a good thing so i i always would want to be the person that would like if i have to go there that i will stand up for myself but i'm not the believer in like let's fight all the time and let's win win through through our fists because most of the time you're losing more than you're gaining so where did you get kind of this higher integrity kind of doing the right thing who were your male mentors or figures in your life growing up I don't think it came from the men. I mean, I guess the best example from a male perspective that I would have gotten would have come from, honestly, it's going to sound hilarious, but like it's it's a very common thing amongst a lot of black men that uh, don't have their fathers is uh, Will Smith and James Avery from The Fresh Prince. Literally that that dynamic in that television show was super beneficial. I saw myself in as Will Smith, especially in the scene where his father doesn't want him. Still to this day, that's a... a, a bawling tearjerker moment for me the examples from james avery's character was was very important for a lot of a lot of men in in similar situation outside of that it's just my mother the way my mother has like been very strong about how she raises uh, me she her, her parents like her my grandfather's a military man and the strength that was brought down she's a very like strong woman and so that mixed with i'm just fortunate that I was also born with like, I don't know, I just don't want negative things. I want positive things. I'm a natural optimist. So I just 
don't want a lot of negative. And I always had this feeling of doing the right thing from a childhood. It's just how I was built. I don't like to lie. And my, my girlfriend's mother will like ask me silly questions and my girlfriend be like, just tell her this. And I'll be like, and then I'll go try to tell her. And then like her mom looks at me and I'm like, I can't do it. <laughs> you got, you got me, you got me. I didn't, it's just, it, it, I can't do it. So what do you think toxic masculinity means right now? And what do you think is problematic? Anything that's toxic is problematic. If you were to say like, what's the laundry list of toxic masculinity? I don't know if I've ever thought to say what are all the things, but I know what they are every time that I see them, you know, things that men say about women that are degrading or feeling like you're above another person, things that keep men from being able to rest themselves or think that certain things are weaknesses when they're not, which can spread to any people, but it could be very strong in men. It could be many things. You know, I'm, I'm very against anything that's toxic. And that's such a stupid ass like statement to make. <laughs> okay. How about, how about I rephrase it? Like what has an ex of yours attacked you for you, uh, you agree with or disagree with? In terms of my, my, my own being toxic. I feel like the, my answer is going to be something where it's like, I've done nothing toxic. Okay, well, I, actually, I can think of some stuff and I'll slide into that, but I'll give some context. I had some very traumatic stuff happen when I was young with my, with my mother. I almost lost her when I was eight years old due to a stepfather that was extremely violent. And so that fundamentally made me shut down a certain part of my empathy and my ability to connect through. Basically, my thought process was, if I'm going to lose her, then it would be better to not be connected emotionally than if I were to be, it'd be it'd lessen the, the pain. It took me years to identify this and do some therapy. So I had relationships prior to that point. That was around, I identified this around 24. So I had relationships prior to that where I was clingy a lot because I was looking for things in the women that I was dating that I wasn't having in the relationship with my mother because I was neglecting it. And I was looking for more things than I should be looking for. So when I realized that, and it was after a couple of like serious relationships. And then I started to change and I just started to like feel very different. I was single, but dating as in a lot of short relationships, one night stands and stuff like that. I would say the things that I probably are most toxic in my past, though I wouldn't say my relationships were identify anything because they weren't long relationships, but would be anything related to a one night stand that was just completely what one night stands are. And I might've been less caring in a lot of those situations because I wasn't looking for caring in any of those situations. But in terms of in actual relationships, because I was looking to be caring, then I would be more open after the time frame where I stopped being clinging because I was identifying my own issues. I think that the stuff that, you know, I had identified to me would be things that are just you're being an ass at this point in whatever fight that we're in or something to that effect. But I can't say outside of like one night stands and just not being very caring in a one night stand with somebody that I've been identified from a relationship of a specific toxic thing. But I am completely open to be challenged here. <laughs> like, like <laughs> Because okay. obviously just be remembering what I want to remember. So did people call you clingy? Like, or did you just start to realize that you were being that way? Girlfriend. Like my first serious relationship in um, college, she was very, very clear about that with me. While at the same time, she was also trying to 
date somebody else behind my back. So <laughs> I don't know how much of my neediness was because it was both of those things, but I very much was very needy. And some of it was a reaction to the fact that I knew that she wasn't being honest and because of my own personal stuff. And then I had another relationship where it repeated so much of the same behavior between myself and the girl also going after another guy. So I had to self-identify the fact that like, why do I make the same choice twice? As much as what they do in terms of trying to date somebody else behind my back is not my fault, but I choose to allow a person like that or see somebody and not realize those traits and then try and, I don't know, fix something. I don't know what I was trying to do, but I was like, I'm like, I'm not doing this three times. So I have to start looking at myself. The first one called me needy. The second one, I don't know if she ever called me directly needy, but I think she said things that basically meant the same thing. Yeah, because then that makes you feel like, like, why, why am I even trying so hard for this person's love? It's interesting to hear it from you because normally I hear it from other women. You know, it's kind of like the roles reverse. It's usually like the woman is so needy and whatever. Is this something that happens in your peer group where like being a man is like, he's got everything under control. He's got the woman under control. That kind of alpha male concept. Like, is that what you would look up to? Sorry, I, 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 I got triggered because you said uh, a man having a woman under control and that statement pisses me the fuck off <laughs> like as uh not that you said it that men think that because sorry I, i'm like going on a tangent here just because like so i was raised by a single mother because of that and watching her go through some relationships that were tumultuous like as i, as I had talked about earlier i just always felt differently about how a woman's to be treated and my mom always emphasized certain things about about treating women a, a, a particular way so when i hear phrases like men thinking like oh i got my woman under control or even a man says to me something like that i just don't you know we'll talk about the things like that any two people would talk about you know man to man or woman to woman i kind of got lost in what you were asking because i heard that and it just threw me for a loop <laughs> when i when i hear that mindset of get your woman under control uh, I just, I can't stand that stuff at all. So what were you actually asking? <laughs> <laughs> As like that, I mean, that's perfect because I was going to ask like, is that what you aspired for? Like to be able to control women and obviously you don't, right? Because of your experiences. So did you ever butt heads with your friends that wanted to control women or disrespected women in that way? Yes, though I will call myself out. So like there are points when you're like, especially in high school, right? So men will say the cool thing, right? And then other men will say the cool thing along. So I won't say that I never said some stupid ass stuff in terms of like, in high school, I definitely said some stupid ass stuff amongst some guys who would say this, and that and the other thing. But anytime I ever said those things, I knew I was in conflict with myself, right? But I never ever treated anybody off of some stupid ass stuff that I said. I never like believed in the idea of like get your women under, under control or the man's role versus women's role growing up I actually had this thought a lot recently this week but it was related to racism it was it's it's still part of this which is around the idea of equality when i grew up i always thought equality is straight 50 50 right that you know men and women can both do the same thing so my mom raised me like you know you're gonna learn how to like Actually, my mom didn't raise me how to cook. She didn't know how to cook, but but she she raised me to like to like do the 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 dishes, do the laundry, do all the stuff around the home. She would raise me to do some things that were very male oriented stuff that she didn't want to do, which is like sometimes bugged me because I'm like, well, if we're talking about equality here, why why is this my male responsibility, right? Like, why if you don't want me to put a woman responsibility on you, why do you want to put a male responsibility on me? But 
there's also a level of like sometimes physically there are differences between people, especially if, you know, my partner's like five two and I'm six foot and I weigh like two hundred pounds and she weighs like 130. There's differences in what we physically can do. But I used to believe it was very 50-50. So I learned to do a lot of things from a young age that I believe were going to be important. And yeah, to some degree, be like, it will make me like the perfect husband and all that kind of stuff because, you know, I can do the things that most men won't do, right? But I've recently come to this conclusion that it's not, it's never really about 50-50. I knew this for a while, like the last couple of years, but I didn't know how to articulate it. It's not about it being 50-50. It's about both people at the end of the day feeling like they're equal. And sometimes that means that some people you need to do more of because of your own privilege, right? Whether that's your male privilege or white privilege or whatever privilege, sometimes you have to go beyond what 50 is to make sure that the other person ends up feeling equal. And you don't necessarily, like, there's things I don't need in my, for, for instance, in my relationship that I'm very self-confident in, right? So, you know, if I need affirmation, for instance, for my partner, it might be like very little affirmation. And that person might need more affirmation because of context of their upbringing, because they're less confident in that th themselves. And I just look at that being, okay, that's you to for us to both feel equal in, in each other. Sometimes I have to do more than the other person has to do. And that for me is also true in male and female roles in this world. Sometimes men have to do more than, than women have to do to make women feel equal, like say in the working environment. And it doesn't have to be a big statement. It just has to be, you have to recognize that you have to think and be more empathetic in this situation sometimes than the other person. That was, that's my thing where I just feel equality isn't about measuring it up to be 50-50. It's that doing what it takes for other for everyone to feel like they're equal or they're at the equal starting point what's um an example of that that you can give us i'm very aware because of like the me too movement and not that i wasn't aware but you know like any good movement you become more aware of the contexts that you didn't understand of um men speaking over women say in, in a meeting and i'm just i feel it's my responsibility to make sure to give extra space for women to speak and to be conscious of like paying attention that I'm like, let's say I'm in a meeting and, you know, there's like, there's like four guys and one woman, right? And I'm like, she hasn't had an opportunity to speak. She's not here in a shadowing role where she's supposed to just like sit back and listen like anybody wouldn't, wouldn't say anything. And men naturally feel strong, confident to, you know, I'm going to say my piece. I'm going to say my piece. There's, I know that, that male culture, I know what's built into how men think and operate and how, unless a man is a shy person or something to that effect, you know, sometimes oh, I have to get my piece in so that I've asserted myself as a man in this conversation. And then, and then I've seen women not have the opportunity. So I make it a responsibility to remind myself to make space, which is to identify just to go to that person and say, you know, do you have anything you want to add to this situation? And try to basically stop the conversation from the guys constantly asserting themselves over each other and just to make sure that there's room and trying to be empathetic to not say or do anything that sounds like I'm doing something stupid, but just try to, to make sure that there's space and the person feels like they don't have to fight over all these like men's bravado to, to, to get into the conversation. And I try to make sure that things like with any person, I don't know if just trying to be cognizant of people, but sometimes there's situations where you sit there and you're like, I can feel that there's just men being men and they're not giving the space. And so maybe there's something extra I need to do. Whether I've done it right every single time? No. You know, maybe I've put a woman in a situation that's not better than it was the second before. And there's learning to be done there. But 
I feel like that's a responsibility that, you know, as a male privilege that I have. There's a new wave of feminism, right? Pussy power, all of this, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah I got you on that. So yeah, so now it's intimidating men. So that's why women are getting off on it. Cause they're like, yeah, it's our time to fight back and whatever. But then like, there's no like dick power. Like guys aren't, they didn't need to use their sexuality as a comeback, right? So the fact that like women use their sexuality as a comeback is actually a liability. I think so. But like, do you, where, where do you sit on like, which parts are working for, for women in that empowerment movement and which parts do you think is taking them backwards? I feel like it's too simplistic to look at the pussy power and make that the whole should be the the whole focus of like feminine moving forward. I don't think that there is a right way for people in a culture or a sex. I, I keep going back to race because it's there's I draw similarities, right? Like I draw similarities between the issues that pe- people have if they're like gay and and trying to and trying to move equality forward versus if it's race versus if it's sexual your, your sex, gender is the better way of saying that. If if you're looking for one thing is the right way to move it forward. I think that's just it's too simplistic way of looking at it. I think the people who call out you got to do this one way is a closed-minded person. I think that I think the only problem is that if that's the only thing you're moving forward with, I have no problem with women moving forward with, the, with pussy power. If it's the only thing you're moving forward with, it allows it to be too much of a vulnerable target for the stupid closed-minded people to fight against because you should have multiple things kind of pushing forward. And I'm not saying that women aren't pushing them forward. It's more maybe that maybe all the other things are being suppressed and this just happens to be the thing that breaks the mold. I feel like like to, to particularly say for me to critique the pussy power part of it is just I'm looking at one thing and it's it's too narrow focused. I would rather just see multiple things happen. I do have feelings though, like I personally like, for instance, if I'm dating a woman, I'm not looking for somebody that's overly sexualized, but that's a personal preference for what I'm attracted to. You know, like a lot of things that comes from like what your parents were and, and whatnot has, has some influence on you. I like somebody who is sexy and yet has a level of like elegance to them with certain things. But, you know, there are things that over-sexualizing can hurt people. But I wouldn't want to say that, like, women shouldn't women shouldn't celebrate their sexuality. One thing I dislike is when it's the only recipe. I want more complexity. I don't want it to go away. If I were to get nuanced about it, I want to say it's, I don't, I don't care that it's as big as it is. I just wish okay. there were other things as big as it at the same time so that you're getting multiple flavors. If... The only thing that breaks through is sexual stuff for women. That says probably more about men than it does about women. But I also feel bad if women feel like the only thing they can do is overly sexualize themselves to make any steps forward. If you're truly representing who you are, fine. But if you're not truly representing who you are and you're doing something, this just goes for people as a whole. If you're doing something to be liked or to get somewhere forward, or and I feel like that's a negative for you as a person. So I feel bad for the woman who like overly sexualizes herself because it's the thing she has to do, not because it's the thing that she feels true to herself in doing. Yeah, you definitely brought up a good point in terms of like, if it's inauthentic to you, then you shouldn't be relying on it. So I, I, I produce music and um, there's a song that I worked on. A friend, and uh, another producer came to me. He said like, hey, I got this, this artist he's been working with and I got this track and 
you know, it's like rough, but can you help me with it? It's from this female artist that he works with. And so I was like working on the song and, and, and building it out. And as I got deeper into the song, I was really listening to lyrics. The thing that surprised me about it from her was that, so you have a lot of songs where men screw up up in a relationship right oh baby i screwed up you know bring me let, let me come back right and she was writing that from her perspective that she screwed up and i was just like i don't remember the last time i remember a woman saying the same things that men say in a song and i'm like usually i feel like either women are doing a love song where it's like oh i'm so in love or a, a song where it's like oh he's not no good get rid of get rid of the boy but i'm like i don't remember the last time i heard a song where it was she's talking about screwing up and i don't mean like cheating i just mean like saying the wrong things doing the wrong things being the wrong person in a relationship like normal stuff that we all deal with i'm like when's the last time i heard a song like this it was refreshing for me because it's like if you think about the normal music that comes out you know let's say r&b right you know you have these like kind of topics that you always hear over and over again it's just like can you do it a different way but this is like the one that's on the guy's bucket that doesn't show up in the women's bucket and now she's doing that song from her perspective and there was a guy on the song and he was responding to it being like i'm better than this which is usually the girl's role in the song and i was just like i like this like it's a dope song like i'm enjoying making because i'm making it so i'm biased but i like the fact that the roles got reversed and he was the one being more vulnerable while well, she's being vulnerable and he's being vulnerable where men don't be vulnerable and i was like why isn't this happening and so what i what i bring that up to say is supporting women where they're doing the things that are not expected I can't say that like I'm going to go out there and make a large statement for women and that's going to help a lot of young girls because mm, I don't think I will. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe I'll say something one day that'll be beneficial, but I feel like supporting the women who are doing things different. I, I really like that because you're right. That doesn't happen a lot. And then that reinforces the same story because if it's always men are trash, they do this and this and this, it just gives men more excuses to do that and continue that trend. And then the songs will always be the same. And then people grow up with that same story and then just replay it out. History just continues to repeat itself. And I was definitely caught up in that. You know, I think I was pretty toxic and like I was spoken over a lot. So I spoke over everybody else. I didn't even give anyone a chance anymore. That's not a good tactic. I'm basically just redoing the same thing. And I think that's the biggest problem with like the future is female. It's not a superiority complex. We're not trying to redo the same thing and, you know, do millions of years of damage to, to the male gender. You know, we're seeking equality, like you're saying. So doing this podcast and giving male voices the platform was so difficult for me because of my terrible experience with men and no way do I want to give you the platform at this point when you've taken it away from me every single time and here I am still sharing it with you like fuck that you know so it took me a lot to deal with that trauma to realize okay but am I actually going to change the world actually I could because I am doing it the other way I'm going to start with men that I feel safe with that can be honest and open and then that will you know just kind of push the spectrum a bit more so that I can get more diverse opinions about the topic you know but it, it's hard I don't think there's any support or any conversation about that so I'm glad that you brought that up because I I haven't seen anyone do that mm -hmm. you know when I thought about it I was just like this is the right way to go but I don't want to do it this is a big responsibility and it sucks because I hate men so much and it's just it was just dramatic to even open up this conversation and knowing how hard it was going to be for me personally to deal with so yeah
I, I totally support that idea. I, I mean, well, one, I commend you for going into, I, I want to say the valley of unknown when you, you know, are dealing with the afflictions of negative male toxicity or whatever else that I'm not privy to, but you know, it's, important and, and, and powerful. And, you know, I, I like the idea of working your way towards closed-minded men, because I can tell it, it sounds like that's what you're going to head towards the end. That's going to be way more difficult to interact with because I have struggled with that. I hate hearing it all the time when, when you, men do and say stupid little things. And, you know, there's like a responsibility for men who are more aware to speak and and check men that when they need to be checked you do that and then you you have this like balance to try to do where you're like you know checking the right times not checking too often with men that have like there's so many built-in stupid little sayings and i'm like you really shouldn't be saying that some of them are like far less harmful than others sometimes it's just checking people and then sometimes it's like setting an example i commonly come across a lot like because it's still like it's like not like even if men are aware there's still a lot of interactions where men are really surprised by my dynamic partner because again like i was saying before they're like oh you know you got blah 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 your woman and i'm like no no she's got her own mind like i if she doesn't have her own mind i wouldn't be with because i don't personally just want to be with a person who can't make up their own mind and, and isn't strong and independent like i wouldn't want to be with a person who doesn't have a, a career trajectory because i just you know i have no problem with like someone who stays at home and stuff like that but i want somebody to, to have a vision for their life because i grew up with a woman that was strong and had to do everything for by herself that i just kind of need to be around somebody that i respect equally how long have you been with your partner your current partner now? coming up seven years yeah damn that's so long okay so within that time frame like it sounds like you have a very healthy relationship and that sounds amazing so for the most part I mean, everybody has their problems, right <laughs> yeah but it's definitely like i think your mindset is pretty healthy in terms of like how you view women and and your desire to kind of equalize what kind of advice would you give to people that are seeking that kind of healthy dynamic i'm gonna say something first that has nothing to do with the relationship you have to love yourself i had to go through the journey from 26 to like until i met my partner around 29 three years of like living on my own spending a lot of days you know just asking myself questions being aware that i had to ask myself questions and to self-heal you bring your baggage in, in in with you if you can't get rid of that baggage it's a problem right if you're treating somebody based off the behaviors of somebody else it's never going to go well right we all have the things that we're super sensitive to and i'm still sensitive to things you have to learn to love yourself I trust everybody a certain amount. Uh, and I don't mean like a little bit. I mean, like I give everybody, all human beings, a certain level of expected. I will give you this much trust. I just I trust that you're a good person. You'll do good things. And the second you show me that's, that you're not, then okay, then I know I'll put you in that bucket and whatnot. But I don't go in ever thinking my last partner treated me so badly that I can't trust you. It's like I'm putting you on like the bottom of a totem pole and you have to work your way up. But like, what did that person do? There's something that stops that. I, I had to make a decision young to like not do that. But when people show me that they can't be trusted, then I, I put them right, right where I just talked about, right? Like, okay, fine. <laughs> thing the next thing is that communication is like everything and that everyone says that, but it like, it is so much of everything. And, and from work to, to, to personal, I have this thing where I try to take a breath. I get upset, obviously, and lots of times, and we, we, get, we fight and stuff like that. I try to take a breath, try, try to speak less, right? I try to say less when I'm upset. And I had this thing that I started doing 
in our relationship at a certain point, it became super vital that it ended up becoming such a staple of expectation. Say we'd fight and I would, at the end of the fight, always give her a hug because for me internally, because I had that situation where I almost lost my mother and had to heal from it. The thing that I ended up realizing during that time is I also stopped physical affection between my mother and I because of the the fear. And so for me, physical affection, and even like statements like I love you and stuff like that are so important. They're not like willy nilly things. Hugging a person reminds you, whether it's like someone you're in love with or just a friend, right? Or even like a teacher, it reminds you that they're human. There's something about physically touching a person that reminds you that the person that you're, you're standing off with isn't just this ethereal thing that you're fighting against it's another human being and when you touch them it just reminds you so much of like i for me i keep thinking stuff well they feel same things like i feel right like they they're being like me it just reminds me so at the end of all these like arguments i always do this like hug and i'm much bigger than her so it's like this over big bear huggish kind of thing it's always my way of like it's done when the hug comes it's the reminder that we're both in this, that we're both human, that we're both connected to rem like that physical touch. And then it's the, the kind of like, all right, we can kind of like let things go at this point. And I just felt like that was such a vital thing. It doesn't have to be that for people, but it's just something that was super key because i mean like trying to have a great relationship from the perspective that you're like a movie where you're like oh everything's going to be perfect and you know like avoid the stuff you're not going to avoid it you're going to have confrontation between two human beings uh my girlfriend grew up on the other side of the planet for the first like 12 years of her life there's going to be differences <laughs> right like just like that fundamental thing so you it's um learning how to like bond and communicate and connect and remember the other person's human and i honestly when you fight say less <laughs> just say say less things <laughs> like don't say everything you want to say it's not really going to help you <laughs> i i think that's huge because i know that there's like among men the way that the story was brought up is you know men would idolize idolize femininity you know and, and like put it on a pedestal and like idolize it as like you know this is the the thing that men work for towards reaching and then when they finally meet a woman they don't know how to separate the idea to the actual human that they're talking to i think that's that's huge in the sense of like this is a reminder that this person is not me it's not just a reflection of my dreams and ideations of whatever love and affection is supposed to be like this is actually another human being that has feelings just like me the whole idea of like i need a person who's going to do da 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 whatever you put on your resume for that person and that's such a like false narrative because you're you're one it's usually super like um self-centered because you're looking for somebody that either they're looking for themselves in some way and which is super like narcissistic or they're looking for somebody who who's everything that they're missing and someone once said to me it's like if you want to be with that person and you're nothing like them why would they want to be with you if you like someone's like i want to be with someone who's like this and like that like that and some guy said to me I'm like well why would she want to be with you like you want to be with that kind of woman go become the kind of man that complements everything that that is because why would that great woman want to be with you if you don't believe any of those things in yourself you're not confident in any of those characteristics in yourself. I guess it's 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 a completely selfish like she's gonna come in and fix you, but then then she's gonna be like annoyed because you you're you're pulling from her to go become a better person, and then that person will like you <laughs> because you're like you're you're equally like them. 
I think all that like resume stuff is stupid. You had to remember that another person is another person. You can't control another person no matter what you can. I personally hate the idea that women, some women think that they can control men and talk like that in relationships. Like you, you can, you're never going to control me. I reject being controlled by people in general and don't ever try to control a woman. Just be with somebody who's, who's willing to be with you. Let them make their own decisions. You have to learn to separate yourself from other people and their own decisions and state what it is you want. And can you come together? Like, be honest. My, my woman had said things to me like, this is the kind of man that I want to be with period blank, blah, 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 blah. And like some of that stuff hurt. And then it's like, okay, I have to make the decision. But the ability to say it and then step back and let the other person come to their own conclusion. And if they say, no, I don't want to be that person, then then end that stuff. Don't try to manipulate them back into being that person. Because like a parent who tries to force you into a job you don't like, you're going to resent them by the end. That's interesting. Like, I guess, because like, I've just been single forever when I try to date now in 2020 I just want to know right now where our intentions are and I always get the oh you know I'm open to anything like we'll see where it goes whatever kind of thing it's like yeah we're gonna start off like that but I want to know if you want a commitment or not because then I'm gonna move differently and I don't like this like non-committal answer right at the gate because you do know you do know if you're gonna drop me in two months, four months, six months. And I hate that no one's going to have that honest conversation with me right off the gate. Like if you just want to have a casual thing, then say that. And then that me that gives me the ability to say yes or no, right? Because I'm giving you that ability to say yes or no, because I'm saying this is what my intentions are. Like, I don't, I don't aspire for, you know, marriage and kids, but I do want respectful partnership. So can you meet me in that? But if you won't give me the ability to say yes or no, then here I am like, confused, unsure about where I stand. And that's not a way to treat another human. And that's just been like the biggest frustration that I've just noticed from people dating now in this time. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you find that if you ask, I'm assuming a blunt question like that, do you find that men look intimidated? Do do, do men feel, do they act defensive or do they just kind of like, blah, 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 I don't know what don't to say to your question? <laughs> They don't know how to answer. I don't like the, does it, do they like me? Do they like me back? You know, let's try this, let's try that. And then, you know, there's like a dance. I might be just not romantic, but I just want to know intentions. I don't like the uncertainty. So I think that shocks people. What becomes an issue is, you know, I'll meet guys that are like, yeah, I'm down with that. And then are like, well, now I can't fulfill this. And I'm like, you can't fulfill one task. And then now, now they're like, well, oh my God, like, I don't know if you like me back or like, I, I can't be a friend for you. Like, I, I'm like, I didn't ask for that shit. I gave you the, I told you what was on the table that doesn't include like friendship and emotion and like all these other things. Maybe it's a little bit overly blunt, but at least the intentions are now clear. It's like, this is the box. Are you in or are you out? I think people are just not uh, used to that. Like people yeah. like the, the uncertainty of the, of the dance. And then if I do want a relationship, I would say you can't have access to my body unless our intentions are on the same page. Cause I want a relationship and I want to get to know you and I want to develop something with you. If that's not the mindset that you're in, then you don't have access to my body. So flip like both ways. Okay. Me telling you that, <laughs> how would you respond? Like, do you like, do you think that's problematic? Do you think like you, you see where I'm coming from? Like, how would you? I have multiple. One is I'm trying to also think back in my own life, but like a lot of times when women were very forward with me, I was really young. So when the roles get reversed, right, men go through this whole, men have, yes, we all have this kind of built in like hunting kind of thing, right? So there is a level of like seeking a woman, doing the work, and then 
winning the reward, right? Like anytime, for instance, if a woman was too easy to get and the engine she wanted to turn that into a relationship, there was a lesser something put in her head that compared to the to the ones that took more only because something to the feeling of like men do like to feel like the woman that we get is special there's a level of and this might be in some toxic masculine mindset but the one that was so easy to get might not be as special as the one that that you know that rare find like she's just mine kind of thing like the thing i don't mean it in the sense of I mean, maybe, I don't know how it sounds, but meaning like we all want to have somebody who's special to us and whatnot. So that's one thought that's kind of running through my head. Also, men don't know how to deal with the roles being reversed because if you look at 99% of times with women, how do men and women's interactions go? And when that role gets reversed, if a man is not very confident in himself, it's he's going to fall apart real fast because he's never he's never been approached. Like in general, any woman who approaches a man and says, "Oh, I think you're 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 really attractive. I'd like to go on a date with you." Men are just not going to know how to respond to that. Like they have no words prepared in their dictionary because they're like, "This has never happened before." Because you go through talking to women. And literally like eight out of 10 times you get rejected even on just like, hi, I'm screw off. Okay. Thank you. Kind of interactions happen. And then you have a woman approach you and you're like, mm, I don't know what to do with this. Right. So there's like role reversal stuff. And then there's like pedal stilling. Interesting. I don't want to take up too much of your time. So I have two more questions for you. The first question is what negative thoughts do women have about themselves that you wish could change in general? I'm going to say something general and then back in, in, into women. In general, a lot of people have self-limiting beliefs and that's always very upsetting. I feel that women have a lot more self-imposed, uh, self-limiting beliefs that come from sexism and that so many women kind of have that on themselves. Like just things that I feel like I get into interactions with my partner, you know, she's an entrepreneur and things I realize I'm like, yeah, this is, this isn't just normal self-doubt there's a layer on here like i just wish those things weren't there but i know why they're there like yeah, there's levels in reality where yes men will interact with them and some of these beliefs kind of come from from true things just places where women could a woman could move faster in her own say um, career whatever but there's something that she's holding some thought that she's afraid about that keeping her from moving forward you know like where i would have a certain fear she has too all right, one more question for you. Based on everything that we've been talking about, what topics came up from our conversation that you would like to see us elaborate on more on the show? I feel like I'm sending you into to deep waters, but I also think that it's a good thing to talk about is the whole, the idea of like seeing diversity in women. There are probably many times that men have seen stuff and from women, let's say in movies, that have been very beneficial when it's more diverse and telling a better story and that they they love that stuff, whether they are aware of it or not. And I don't know, I just kind of feel like having that kind of conversation more on the side of, you know, what diversity do you want to see in women in, 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 in the public sphere? Hopefully that makes sense what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, thank you so much for this. You're welcome. Absolutely. I love what he said in this conversation about how we need to start focusing on equity instead of equality. He's right that there's not a one-size-fits-all path to equality. We need to start meeting people where they're at and giving them what they need to succeed in relationships. But enough about me. What did you think? 
let me know at Miss Amanda Chen on Instagram. And if you want to be on the show, slide into my DMs. I'll see you guys next Wednesday. Bye for now. <laughs>